Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Murder Mile. Today, I'm standing on Queensborough Terrace in Bayswater, W2. One road north of the stabbing of PC Jack Avery in Hyde Park. Two roads east of the pub where Dennis Nielsen met Twinkle. Two roads south of the Blackout Ripper's last victim. And one street west of the seemingly safe bed where a confused old lady was tortured to death. Coming soon to Murder Mile. Running parallel with Queensway and Bayswater Tube, Queensborough Terrace consists of two lines of four-storey Georgian terraces made of white render, black iron gates and fake Doric columns. Having seen better days, some are homes, but most are slightly tacky B&Bs for tourists seeking the real London. Not everyday things like long queues, grumbling and dog plop. But the cheesy stuff, like red phone boxes, soldiers in bearskins, and portraits of the Queen. Which are only there so tourists don't feel cheated. As a hub for holiday makers, Bayswater has adopted a similar cringe-making style. So expect to see the Union Jack Flapjack Shack, the Queen Liz Bean and Fizz, the Dickens Wig and Hair Thickening Clinic, the Princess Di Doe-Eyed Beauty Parlor, and thankfully, there's nothing with a certain prince's name on it. At 49 Queensborough Terrace currently stands the Central Park Hotel. But back in the 1960s, this was the Knights Hotel. An affordable B&B, mostly occupied by tourists, long-term residents and squaddies. On the 6th of June 1961, three American airmen booked in and headed out for a night of fun. They were here to let loose. But being attacked by a gang armed with bottles and a knife one of the three would lose his life. 
Sadly, there is violence on every street. And it's often made worse when drunk, angry idiots, fueled by arrogance, pick on the innocent for no reason. My name is Michael, I am your tour guide, and this is Murder Mile. Episode 174 Nothing but Common Thugs. On the 3rd of October 1961, four months after the murder, three men stood in the dock of the Old Bailey. 20-year-old Andreas Santu, a Cypriot chef of Notting Hill. 22-year-old Daniel Atard, a Maltese salesman of Forest Gate. And 28-year-old Zantu Zachariah, a Cypriot waiter of Leinster Gardens. In a four-day trial, Zantu, Attard and Zachariah all pleaded not guilty to the grievous bodily harm of second-class airman Gerald Barreras and the murder of second-class airman Stanley Roach. Their vicious attack was seen from several angles by impartial eyewitnesses in good light from a few feet away. Their fingerprints matched the shards on the bottles they had hurled at and smashed over their victim's skull. And although they all denied holding the knife which had ended his life, Zantu, Attard and Zachariah were three bad men who did bad things for bad reasons. Born on the 25th of July 1940 in Kyrenia, a coastal city in northern Cyprus. Andreas Santu left his country in 1958, leaving behind his widowed mother and two younger siblings. Unable to get a job in the UK as a decorator, he worked sporadically in restaurants. And having not worked for a full year, he admitted to living off the proceeds of gambling. Nicknamed Blackie, and using the alias of Tony Blackie, Zantu had one prior conviction for robbery with violence. And having served four months, he was released from prison on the 22nd of February 1961. Born on the 23rd of September 1938 in Salima, a coastal district in northern Malta, Daniel Attard left school aged 15. Having become an electrician in Salima, Kugaria and Valletta dockyards, he moved to the UK. Only his new life lacked the opportunities he desired. From May 1959 to May 1961, he worked six months as a table fitter, one month for Spratt's Biscuits in Poplar, and two months as a plate scullion on board the SS Kenya Castle. After one month in the UK, he was sentenced to three months at Marlborough Street Police Court for willful damage and assaulting a policeman. And finally, there was Zantu Zachariah. Born in Nicosia, the capital city of Cyprus, on the 17th of February 1933, 
Zachariah was a criminal before he came to the UK, with one count of turkey theft and two counts of assault. Working intermittently as a waiter, a labourer, a mechanic, a rubber moulder and a fruit delivery driver, he had an extensive criminal record. With crimes ranging from the petty, theft, drunkenness and use of offensive words, to the serious, burglary, car theft, pimping and violent assault with a knife. At the time of his arrest, he had served 20 months in prison and he hadn't worked for six. On the 9th of October 1961, unable to prove his guilt, Zechariah was acquitted. And with neither man admitting that they held the knife, both Zantu and Attard were found guilty of the assault of Gerald Barreras and the murder of Stanley Roach. With the police stating that society is well rid of them, being thugs who profited from violence and crime. Both men were sentenced to life in prison. A few days after his murder, the body of second-class airman Stanley Roach was repatriated back to his grieving family in his hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee. He was a good man, with a promising career, whose young life was cut short in a random attack by three armed strangers who he did not know. It's sad, but it's an all too common event in a big city like London, where common thugs walk free amongst the innocent who are simply trying to live their lives without being beaten, accosted, or murdered. We will never know who stabbed Stanley Roach to death. But the real question shouldn't be who, but why. Set aside the swinging 60s, 1961 was a year of escalating world tensions. Three years into the Vietnam War, one year from the Cuban Missile Crisis, three months since the Bay of Pigs, and with the Soviets having exploded Big Ivan, a 58 megaton hydrogen bomb, the largest ever built, and with Germany being partitioned into East and West by a wall, the Cold War had gone from icy to nuclear. Seeking to extend their presence in Europe, the Ministry of Defence re-established a former World War II airbase just outside Braintree in Essex, so that US jets and bombers could be scrambled at a minute's notice. As aircrew, second-class airman William Barreras was assigned to the technical fighter wing alongside third-class airman William Hammond and with second-class airman Stanley Thurman Roach in Armament Electronics. Aged 20 to 21, 
as young lads embarking on an exciting mission in a foreign land. With money to burn and a penchant for gorgeous English girls, Stanley, William and Gerald worked hard and played hard. Being easy to spot, William was a big lump, Gerald had charm and Stanley was the baby-faced cutie. Wednesday the 31st of May 1961, six days earlier. With ten days leave, William and Gerald came to London in William's Volkswagen Beetle, parking up outside of 49 Queensborough Terrace and staying at the Knights Hotel. Having been there before, they liked it as the hotel was cheap and the area was lively. On Monday the 5th, they were joined by their buddy Stanley Roach, who was on a three-day pass. Their first night was as predictable as any. They ate, drank, chatted up girls, and headed to bed late. Tuesday the 6th of June 1961, the day of the murder. Nothing happened before 2pm, as being cursed by a trio of stinking hangovers, Stanley, William and Gerald suffered for the silly levels of booze they had belted back the night before. But hey, they weren't on duty, so why not? By 3pm, still feeling rough, they sat in Hyde Park, soaking up a rare spot of British sun and shared a bottle of Canadian whiskey to take the edge off the pains in their bonds. At 7.30pm, having necked back a few warm pints and not knowing that they weren't lagers but ales, at 9pm, they headed one street west to the 30 Club at 30 Queensbury to drink and dance with girls. At 11pm, with the club closed, as Gerald had promised to walk home the barmaid to Queensborough Terrace, William and Stanley headed into Queensway, looking for two nice girls for themselves. With just 55 minutes until the attack, so far, they hadn't met Zantu, Attard or Zachariah. At 11.50pm, with William having headed off to Notting Hill, Gerald and Stanley staggered into Queensborough Terrace and fumbled with the key to his VW Bug. Although hugely arseholed, being six years before the UK drink drive limit, they could drive pissed as long as they weren't a danger. Only in their condition. Their immediate danger wasn't from the traffic, but from gangs of violent thugs. 
focused on the car, as the seriously sozzled twosome swore at its unruly key. Three men of Cypriot and Maltese origin formed a semicircle of hate behind them. With one sporting balled up fists, one armed with a stack of glass bottles, and a third clutching a 14-inch knife, as long as anyone's forearm. At that moment, the men were unaware of the deadly threat, as Zantu, Attard and Zachariah loomed ever closer, intent on doing this isolated and outnumbered pair some serious damage. It began, with Gerald being smashed over the head with a milk bottle, which split open his skull and sprayed blood across the car window and his wincing eyes. Before they could turn, the three unleashed a volley of fists and feet as Gerald and William struggled to fight back. Hearing their cries, lights came on in the neighbouring hotels as a sea of eyewitnesses watched the assault from several angles. As glass bottles smashed, men screamed and a sharp blade glinted. Unable to see through his blooded lids, Gerald shouted, There are too many of them, let's go! And as the two airmen staggered down Queensborough Terrace, as they turned onto the busy Bayswater Road, it became clear that they were no longer being chased. And with their attackers having fled, being battered and exhausted, both Gerald and Stanley collapsed to the junction of Inverness Terrace. Bleeding profusely from a nasty gash to his head, as he wiped a red running river from his eyes, the gaggle of onlookers thought that Gerald was the worst hurt. Only seeing his woolen pullover, pooling in an ever-increasing crimson pump, it was as Stanley hit the floor with a hard thud that his injuries became clear. An ambulance rushed both men to Paddington General. In A&E, Gerald received five stitches to his head, but having been stabbed once in the heart, at 2.18am, Stanley Roach was pronounced dead. Such brutality on an innocent person never makes any sense. But why were Gerald and Stanley attacked? Was it random, or did it have a reason? Rewind to 11pm. With the 30 club shut, and Gerald walking the barmaid home, Stanley and William drunkenly stumbled onto Queensway, looking for girls. Being drunk and horny, they weren't in the mood for a nice chat with a filly or a possible friend. They were here to fuck. Checking in at the Knights Hotel, all three Americans hadn't signed in with their own names, but aliases. 
William was Robert Bryant, Gerald was Joe Alberto, and Stanley Roach was Stanley L. Dolan. When asked why, all three said, this is to prevent us being identified if there was any trouble with the girls. Which begs the question, why do this if you don't plan to do anything immoral or illegal? 30 minutes later, on the corner of Moscow Road and Queensway, having failed to pick up two girls, William Hammond, a big guy with a foul temper when he was steaming, smacked a stranger in the face for no reason whatsoever. Having been assaulted by a common thug, and rightfully incensed, the victim did the right thing and alerted a passing policeman. The two strangers were a 21-year-old chef called Andreas Santu, and sporting a bloody lip, the victim was a 22-year-old Maltese salesman called Daniel Attard. At 11.40pm, Daniel pointed out William Hammond to PC Collier, shouting, He just hit me! With one man's word against the other, and their pals, Andreas Santu siding with Daniel Attard and Stanley Roach siding with William Hammond. The constable had no power to arrest, only to apply for a summons. Furious that his attacker was set to walk free from an unprovoked assault, as a hot-headed man, still smarting from a serious thump, Daniel stormed off, shouting, I will deal with this myself. I will get my friends. We will get you for this. And with Daniel having left the scene, no crime could be charged. One block northwest of the random assault on Daniel Attard, seeking a weapon, Andreas headed into Gray's restaurant on Prince's Square a place he had waited at and stole a 14-inch kitchen knife. Hopped up with rage, having been insulted by a fat yank on their streets in their home, Andreas, Daniel and Zachariah scoured every nook and cranny of Bayswater for the two. With fists balled, bottles stashed and brandishing a big knife, which would soon take a man's life. But even that doesn't explain why Hammond punched Daniel. Eleven forty five PM at the junction of Moscow Road and Queensway. With Daniel and Zantu having stormed off, fuming, we will get you for this. Local taxi driver Morris Greenberg approached PC Collier. His face bruised, his glasses broken, and in a mirror image of the incident just a few minutes before, he pointed to Hammond and stated, That man hit me and them. Indicating to two girls behind him, both red-faced, furious and scuffed, 
as this time witnesses had seen the assault. Hammond was swiftly arrested and escorted to Notting Hill Police Station. Having been left on his own, Roach headed back to their hotel at Queensborough Terrace, where Barreras had walked the barmaid home. And having recounted the story, the drunken twosome fumbled with the key, trying to get into Hammond's VW buck to bail this loose cannon out of jail. Being angry and humiliated, it's unlikely that Andreas, Daniel and Zachariah ever intended to kill the baby-faced airman. What they did wasn't right. But with all six, whether Cypriot, Maltese or American, being hot-headed, they didn't think. And although that explained the incident, it doesn't explain the spark. Rewind again, back to 11pm. With the 30 Club closed, as Barreras walked the barmaid home, William and Stanley headed into Queensway looking for girls. Both bladdered, but with their boners unable to say no. At this point, Andreas, Daniel and Zachariah were unaware that the Americans even existed. In his own words, Hammond would state, We were walking the streets of Bayswater, looking for girls with a view to sex. Whether local ladies or prostitutes, they didn't care, as long as they got to stick their pointless little pricks in any random chick at the night's hotel. And if she complained, the police would end up chasing three aliases known only as Robert Bryant, Joe Alberto and Stanley L. Dolan. At 11.15pm, in an alley behind the 30 Club, Hammond and Roach approached two girls who were smoking. We met two girls and asked them to go with us. There was no hello, no how are you, just a blunt and drunken, hey girls, let's fuck as if they didn't want to waste their energy on chatting, only shagging. As flatmates out for a drink, 23-year-old Inga Robinson and 25-year-old Jean Stokes didn't know who these arrogant little assholes were. World War II was over. The days of GIs carrying nylons and Hershey bars were gone. And besides, compared to good old British chocolate... It tasted like dog shit. But what really got their goat was being treated like pieces of meat by two rude little shitbags who couldn't string a sentence together and who wafted their money about like they were King fucking Farouk. These girls were not sex workers. But with Hammond waving five pounds in their faces, bartering to buy their bodies to do their dirty deeds to. Insulted, Inga and Jean told them to sod off and walked away. 
although too drunk to remember. Hammond would later deny that this took place. But what happened next was witnessed by others. Seeing the girls as theirs, and unwilling to accept no as an answer to their bulging pants, Hammond and Roach followed the girls of Queensway to the junction of Bayswater Road, insisting they put out. Hailing a taxi, as Jean tried to get in and be rid of these Randy Roaches forever, having grabbed the door so the cab couldn't leave, Hammond offered £10 for sex. With Inga and Jean seething, seeing trouble brewing, the bespectacled taxi driver Morris Greenberg came around to assist. It was then that the moment turned. Offering a deliberately insulting sum. How about five shillings and sixpence? Roach remarked, Nah, they ain't worth it. They're just a couple of skags. Furious, Jean asked him to repeat it. He did. She went to slap him. And Stanley Roach, the baby-faced airman, punched her squarely in the face. Falling to the floor, as Inga tried to defend her friend, Hammond kicked her to the ground, and the two cowards continued kicking these girls. As they lay on the pavement, screaming and bleeding. The taxi driver stepped in to break it up. But being punched by Hammond, whose quick temper and fast fists would get him into trouble just a few minutes later. Seeing a policeman, the airman fled. Smarted by the girl's rejections and spoiling for a fight. By chance, Hammond and Roach headed towards the junction of Moscow Road and into the path of Daniel Attard and Andreas Santu. Fleeing the scene of this seemingly unprovoked stabbing on Queensborough Terrace, Andreas Santu wiped the knife clean and returned it to Gray's restaurant. In hospital, Barreras described the gang who had attacked them as swarthy, curved-nosed and thick-lipped. Along with a wealth of unsavoury details, reflecting an era where foreigners were described as if they were always the villain. Backed up by witnesses and fingerprints, police arrested three unemployed men. Andrea Santu, alias Tony Blackyear, a recently released Cypriot criminal on bail for violent robbery. Daniel Attard, a Maltese salesman with a conviction for assaulting a policeman. And Zantu Zachariah, a Cypriot gambler with a criminal record for theft, drunkenness, burglary, pimping and assault with a knife. In court, with society well rid of them, although Zantu Zachariah was acquitted, Daniel Attard and Andrea Santu were sentenced to life in 
prison. It's true that all three were bad men who did bad things. Not one of them was an angel. But with manslaughter taken off the table, what wasn't taken into account was the provocation initiated by William Hammond, Gerald Barreras, and Stanley Roach. Every crime is a culprit and a motive. But it's not always clear to see when you look through the prism of a name, a rank, and a uniform. On paper, the three airmen were decent young men doing a good job during a time of conflict. But when let off the leash, they were nothing but common thugs. Hammond and Barreras were charged with no offences. And Stanley Roach was buried with honours. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There we go. Let's hope that better. Oh, Christ. Hey, folks. How was that? Oh, dear. Well, that was better. That was my second attempt at that one. Oh, I got all, all my IT issues sorted. I got the new laptop set up. I got the new software all in there. Everything's going well. Uh, and I recorded everything. It's all good. Because, you know, I, I think I discussed my iTop, ad, laptop issues last time. So I got a new laptop, very posh, very fast. Allegedly a 21-hour battery. We will see. Um, 
put in my software, tested it, it sounded good, recorded all this episode, then when I went back, it sounded tinny. It it, it was all right, but it just didn't sound good. And I, I like it to sound well. So do you know what I had to do? I, he had to come out of retirement, my old faithful laptop. Old faithful is back. So behind me, with, with a tiny battery that's about three hours long, barely enough to record this episode, is a little... Little um, Old Faithful is there behind, recording away. Hello, Old Faithful. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, and I'm just using the new laptop just to uh, with the script on it. So there we go. Oh, never get rid of old laptops, especially if they're good and they last. This one's amazing. It's got like half the ports don't work and the screen's cracked and the battery's fucked. It's still, you open it up, it still keeps working. There we go. Oh, so I'm knackered now. Uh, what's going on outside? Ducks having lots of fights uh coots are out there there's some there were some uh herons in the sky making making some horrible they make some really screechy horrible noises uh etc etc oh i could do with a cup of tea let me make a cup of tea and then i'll come straight back uh i didn't have one when i first recorded this because i didn't need it because i got my diet coke but now my throat is absolutely red raw after that so uh but you know what I think I did a better version. I think the first one was good, but I think this was a slightly... Let's have a coffee. Quaffy? Let's have a quaffy. I think that was a slightly better version. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Something different. Coming back, just putting in the sugar. Given the, given the fact that this is a second recording, this might be a late night tonight, but you know what? Do you know what? That's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. I might go and get myself some cheeky beers. Yeah, some cheeky beers. Yeah, boy. What else is going on? Uh, TikTok. TikTok is going well. I, I, had, uh, I had a million views last week. A million views. What the F is going on? It's amazing because I've got mates who are kind of professionals. and they, they're like Their Facebook pages are huge and they're Twitter is huge, but on TikTok they're struggling, and it's weird. It's like I struggled for about six months. I got nowhere. Then I posted some shit, and that went well. And now, and now I've posted other stuff. That seems to be doing all right. Do you know? It's a it's a sad day for me when one of my posts only gets thirty, forty, fifty thousand views. But I'm, now I'm thinking, that's pretty, uh, uh, being attacked by a little fly. Uh, so yeah, no, it's pretty amazing. So. I'll put in a link in the show notes. Check out uh, Murder Mile TikTok. There's some interesting stuff on there. Um, I don't reply to comments um, only because you know what social media is like. There's there's 90% of the people out there are really nice and positive and they leave nice comments. But it's, it's that 10% that really stays with you forever. It's annoying, isn't it? You should really think to yourself, God, those, do you know, there's all... The, Nice people leaving you comments, that should stay with you, but it's the one person who's a bit of a twat. And as we know, there's a lot of twats out there. So I don't read the comments, but I do appreciate them. I, I, I sometimes nip in and I shouldn't. And I look at them and go, oh, these are really nice. Thank you. And then unfortunately, I look at one twat. You know, these twats who have nothing better to do but comment on shit. Go, oh, he's wrong about this. I have no reason to. Uh, I can't prove this, but he's wrong. Oh, he's full of shit. Uh, so I don't look at it. But um, it's a bit of fun. Have a look at TikTok. Um, also this week, uh, uh, Caprice, who does the wonderful uh, Unseen podcast, a fantastic UK-based true crime podcast, and she focuses on missing people, which I think is, is uh, 
everyone seems to focus on the same shit in true crime whereas she's actually picked a niche that actually has a purpose as well and it's a really well written well researched podcast and it does a lot of good um she very kindly invited me on to do a thing called five minutes with Eva would love to have five minutes with me she says she wishes um so um that's it's five minutes with me i can't remember what questions i she sent me some questions and i answered them so it's on this week's podcast you're welcome to have a look at it have a listen and check out the unseen podcast it really is fantastic really well worth listening to um just wanted to thank some uh new patreon supporters who are come on michael get this right kimberly thigpen smith got it right in the first version i didn't get it right and jacqueline candelaft Thank you both for being uh, um, uh, patron supporters. Hope you're enjoying all the goodies. Uh, if you, if uh, those of you who haven't subscribed to Murderbile, uh, on Monday you get early episodes if you're on the right tier. Uh, Tuesday you get crime scene photos, and I, I visit all the locations and I take pictures and I show you all things that I never share on social media. This is kind of exclusive for patrons. Uh, on Wednesday is a location video that is beautifully shot by me, and only about a handful of people look at. Oh, they take a long time to make. Um, uh, you also get an ebook every week of the recording script. Uh, that we have Fridays, we have a movie club, so oh, a long list of kind of uh, true crime movies that you can check out that are really good. Uh, Saturday is obviously Walk With Me, the exclusive series on Murder Mile. Oh, tea's almost done. Hang on. I was about to let this stew. I just about to say to myself, I'll let this stew, then I realised it's coffee. I mean, it's, I mean, it's instant coffee. Who gives a crap? <laughs> instant coffee. Uh, Saturday's that, and then Sunday I do uh, my uh, little videos of little cases that aren't coming to Murder Mile. So, uh, yeah, if you subscribe to Murder, uh, the uh, Patreon account, it's uh, two, two pounds a month. It's nothing. You can't even buy a coffee for that. <sighs> right, let's do some quiz questions. Whoa, dear. Right. As always, I'll probably ball some of these up or I might edit them out of the episode because I haven't edited the episode yet. So, question number one. Uh, uh, question number one. Uh, which policeman, as mentioned at the start of the show, was murdered in Hyde Park? I'm going to have a swig of water. Oh, soothing. Question number two. What was the name of the hotel which replaced the Knights Hotel? Question number three. Two of the men were from Cyprus, but which man was from Malta? Ooh. Question number four. Which part of America did Stanley come from? Question number five. What type of car did William own? Question number six. Uh, before the murder, how many years... Uh, I wrote it badly last this this question and now i always I, I struggle to say it right um how many years before the murder hang on how many years before the uk okay how many years before oh fuck's sake i got it right last time and I, i've written how many years before the uk drive dr okay so how many years before the uk drink drive limit was established so uh how many years did the murder happen before the uk drink drive limit was established that's it how many years before the murder oh, fuck's sake let's just ignore that question i can't be asked my brain my brain is just fried oh it's it's bullshit anyway question seven 
Which hospital were Gerald Barreras and Stanley Roach taken to? Question eight, three-parter. What three aliases did William and Gerald uh, use? Oh, what three aliases did William, Gerald and Stanley use? Uh, question nine. What was the name of the two women they assaulted? And question ten. What did I say in the episode Taste Like Dog Shit? Ah, uh, yummy. Not, not yummy dog shit. Right, let's just dive into some extra stuff in here. So, uh, uh, what have we got? What have we got? Uh, with the uh, the police investigation was kind of simple-ish in a way because they still had local bobbies around that time. So what the detectives did was they got descriptions of the people who were there. And because the local bobbies knew everyone in Bayswater and kind of all the local the local hoods and people like that, uh, they had a good description. And then they went, oh, well, it's probably, it's probably these three guys. And uh, they went searching and uh, most of them had fled. So uh, uh, Zantu Zachariah was uh, traced to a furnished room in Notting Hill and he was brought straight to Paddington Green Police Station. That was the next morning. Uh, Daniel Attar uh, was seen boarding... Um, sorry, which one's this one? It's the first one. I can never remember their names. Uh, his nickname was Blackie anyway. He went under the name of Tony Blackie. Uh, was seen boarding a bus by Detective Sergeant Johnson on Gower Street and he was attained there and then. Um Daniel Attard, who also went by the nickname of Dennis, uh, they knew that he was a seaman and that his father owned a cafe in the East End and he lived in Forest Gate. On the morning, so the next morning, uh, 7th of June, uh, Attard went to London docks and unsuccessfully tried to sign on as a member of the crew for the SS Kenya, uh, Kenya Castle, which was uh, a Union Castle line sh uh, uh, steamer. Ah, uh, was it a steamer? I can't remember. Um, which he was on before, but obviously because he'd been kicked off before because his work record was uh, wasn't was unsatisfactory, he couldn't board. Uh, when his fa father found out, his father was a respectable man who had previously served in the Royal Navy. Um, he spoke to his son. Uh, he found out that his son was wanted to be interviewed on the charge of murder, and he uh, got his son to agree to cooperate. So it was 8th of June. His father called in at Commercial Street Police Station with his son, who was then brought to Paddington. So pretty much they were all arrested with, within one to two days, pretty much. Uh, what else can I tell you? What else can I tell you? Uh, let's not do that bit. Um, with, it was difficult for uh, the police to find witnesses at the time because, as you can appreciate, a lot of people live in the area. There's a lot of kind of local lads and uh, local proprietors who these guys knew as well. So a lot of people were kind of uh, keen not to say, oh, uh, it was... I think you'll find it was Zantu, Zatard and, uh, uh, Attard and Zachariah. A lot of people were like, oh, we don't know who they were. We didn't see faces. It was too dark. Um, but because Bayswater is an area that's full of lots of tourists, even kind of uh, early 1960s, a lot of tourists coming over, a lot of servicemen, a lot of people who were kind of transient to the area, they didn't know who these people were. So they were like, oh, well, we don't know their names, but this is a description. And they all gave really accurate descriptions. So the local bobbies were able to turn around and go... Oh, it must be these guys. So uh, that kind of made it easier for them. Um, they they had an initial uh, committal hearing. Uh, where was that at? I've got that written down somewhere. Um, they were charged with uh, the murder of Stanley Roach. 
uh, and the uh, grievous bodily harm of Gerald Barreras. Um, the committal hearing happened over a series of weeks because um, even though they were able to to arrest these guys quickly, the information was coming in quite slowly. So obviously they they uh, the the blood on the clothing. They had to go and find the clothing. They had to go and find the knife. Uh, the knife had been returned back to the restaurant. Oh well, originally it wasn't. Originally it was uh, taken to I think it was the fifty six club just around the corner, and it was hidden in a toilet. And then it was eventually taken back to the uh, the restaurant where. Um, uh, one of the guys had got got it from um and returned and obviously because it uh he'd, he'd wiped it clean on his trousers he'd given it back uh the owner of the restaurant didn't know what it had been used for so it was basically washed up with everything else and used so by the time the police got the knife it had no fingerprints and no blood on it uh which is not the fault of the the restaurateur um so all this information was coming in slowly but slowly um what else have we got? What else have we got? Uh, 4th of August 1961, they all pleaded not guilty to murdering Stanley and the GBH of Barreras, and they were committed to trial at the Old Bailey at that point. So there was enough evidence for it to go to criminal trial. Um, various witnesses on uh, Queensborough Terrace. Uh, Jimmy Vincent and Barry Rogow, who were students uh, there, uh, who were staying at Queensborough Court Hotel at 50 que uh, Queensborough Terrace. So that's immediately opposite their hotel and where the fight took place and where the car was parked outside they were watching tv uh the program had finished at 11 45 they heard glassing glass smashing outside uh, they looked out and they saw two men being semicircled by at least four men the witnesses describe them being circled by three four or five or sometimes six men it changes but we're we're going with three because that seems to be the standard that seems to be what seems to be consistent throughout uh, don't forget people are asked about these situations the day afterwards or sometimes the day after that so it's hard to kind of recall a lot of details and people's memories of things are absolutely shite so um so the details are often wrong uh, barry said he saw two men fighting one of whom had several milk bottles under his arm Paul Humphreys, who was also a resident at the Queen, Queensborough Court Hotel, on the second floor overlooking the street, he said uh, the fight broke out a few minutes to midnight, which it did. There was lots of angry shouting, breaking glass on the opposite side of the road, and then he saw two men being chased by others. Uh, Paul states he saw a man standing outside number 50 with a long glinting object in his right hand. Uh, it was a 14-inch uh, carving knife although some people said it was as long as eight inches 18 inches long it wasn't um, the attacker they all gave a description of the attacker um, which fitted that of uh, uh, Zantu uh, it's a, it's a confusing on this because there's, there's two people there's uh, Zantu Zachariah and uh, oh, the other one whose surname is Zantu it makes it really confusing uh, which is why I've tried. I've tried to differentiate them. Uh, what else have we got? Let's not do those. The girls, uh, as mentioned, the girls were kind of you know, their job. Really, one of them was a bar, bar, uh, a barmaid. The other one was unemployed at the time. But what their job was was to kind of pick up young men. Um, not that way. Uh, pick up young men. Take them to clubs. Uh, convince them to buy lots of drinks and that they would get a commission on the drink so that's really what was their job they were really just hostesses um so whether they whether they did try and pick up stanley and um 
Stanley and William, we don't know. But but they weren't sex workers, and that's what uh, Roach and Hammond seem to be suggesting that they were. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? Um, 11.20pm, uh, the taxi driver Morris Gerald Greenberg, who was 31, he saw a young woman hailing a cab on the corner of Bayswater. So this is just after Roach and Hammond have tried to pick them up. Uh, she wanted to go to the Wimpy Bar nearby to pick up a friend of hers. Uh, and that's when uh, everything kind of went a little bit weird. Um, uh, what else we got? What else we got? Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to just recant things that we've already just said about in the episode because it's kind of redundant, isn't it? Uh, it does make you wonder why these guys had decided to use aliases. It's kind of, you understand in the 1950s and 60s why couples would use aliases because, you know, if you're unmarried, you weren't allowed to book into a hotel and it was seen as scandalous and blah de blah de blah and things like that. And you could, you could like, you could turn up at a hotel and even if you've booked it, they would turn you away because they go, well, you're not married. But these guys... You know they're single, so why are they why are they hiding who they are? Doesn't make any sense unless they're up to up to mischief, which I think they are. Uh, uh, one of the girls said we went across Queen Queensway. Two Americans followed us, shouting at us. They had been drinking. They followed us to a club and held the cab door open so the driver couldn't drive away. They were both insulting us, asking, "How about?" Two shillings and sixpence for all night. Uh, one of them, Hammond, said, you're not worth it. You're just a couple of skags. Sorry, that was Roach who said that. Jean got annoyed. She asked him to say it again. He did. Um, the taxi driver thought that the men weren't serious at all, uh, but that they clearly had been drinking, and that's when it all kicked off. Um, Morris said the two men refused to go away and just started to fight with the girls. I jumped out of the cab, and by the time the smaller American, that's Roach, uh, was on the ground fighting with the blonde. Um, uh, one of the girls said, I went to hit Roach and he grabbed my arm, bruising it. So I hit him uh, on the other side of his face with my other hand and he let go. While this was happening, the taller American, which is Hammond, was kicking Jean as she lay on the ground. What utter pieces of shit. They really are. I mean, I do, hence why I, I decided to call this episode Nothing But Common Thugs. And the idea, hopefully that everybody's worked that out, is at the start, I try and make you believe that it's, it's the uh, the Cypriot and the Maltese guys who are the kind of the evil ones. But they're not. They're just kind of... The, and hence why I'm being discreet and talking about the innocent trying to walk the streets. Because that's what these guys were. They were just out. They're just having a bit of fun. And then these... These American, oh, I keep saying GIs, they're not GIs, they're airmen. Um, drunk, causing trouble, starting fights for no reason, treating women without any respect. Utter pieces of shit. And I think it's absolutely disgraceful that, you know, they weren't they weren't charged with anything afterwards. They weren't arrested. Absolutely disgusting. So, uh, yeah, we still don't know why. Um, why uh, William Hammond decided to attack Daniel Attard? They they didn't know each other. They were just passing. There didn't seem to have been any any words said between them. It just seems to be, you know, maybe maybe William Hammond was a bit of a racist. Maybe he was. Maybe he didn't like Maltese people. You don't know. You don't know. So, uh, but there doesn't seem to be a reason for it. Or he's just drunk and he's angry and he's one of these twats who lashes out for no reason. What an utter twat. What a real twat. 
happy to say that some people i don't we shouldn't use the word twat too often but you know what some people deserve to be called twat and he certainly is one um I think that is it. I don't think I have much more I can tell you about this. I've pretty much, pretty much everything's put into the episode. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, let's do quiz questions. Right, get 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 ready, everyone. <sighs> what time is it? Oh, that's not too bad. I've still, I've still got time. I might go. I might go up into. Yeah, I might go up to the shops, get some beer, come back. Right, good, good call, Michael. Good call. Right, it can be a long night. Right, question number one. Which policeman, as mentioned at the start of the show, start of the show, uh, was murdered in Hyde Park? It was um, last year we did the episode. It was PC Jack Avery. If you haven't heard that episode, I really like that episode. I think it's one of those forgotten ones that people seem to forget. But I, that's, I really like that one. Uh, question number two: What is the name of the hotel which replaced the Knights Hotel? Bafflingly, even though it's in London, it's called the Central Park Hotel. And yes, I get it. Hyde Park is a park and it's central and it's and this is a hotel. But Central Park's in New York. Ugh. Uh, question number three. Uh, two of the men were from Cyprus, but which man was from Malta? It was Daniel Attard. Burpee. Question number four. Which part of America did Stanley come from? He was from Knoxville in Tennessee. Question number five. What type of car did William own? It was a Volkswagen Beetle. Question number six. Here's the one I fucked up before. So how many years before... How many... Uh, how many I've written, how many years before the UK drink drive limit was established? So what I'm basically saying is the murder happened in 1961. But um, how many years is that before the uk drink drive limit was established okay uk drink drive limit was established in 1967 so that's six years fuck i really really need to work out how to write questions properly question number eight question number seven which hospital were gerald barreras and stanley roach taken to there was paddington general one we've been to many times before question number eight which three aliases did william gerald and stanley use uh, William was Robert Bryant, Gerald was Joe Alberto, and Stanley Roach was Stanley L. Don Donan Do Donnell Donnell Stanley Stanley L. Donnell. Pfft, I'm so tired now. Question number nine. I started at five a.m. It's I, I'm oh I'm losing the will to live. Live? I can't even talk anymore. Question number nine. What was the name of the two women they assaulted? It was Inga Robinson and Jean Stokes. And question number 10. What did I say in the episode tastes like dog shit? Hershey bars. There we go. I'm sorry to say that. Hershey bars. They really do. English chocolate. Lovely. Cadbury's. Uh, Galaxy. Dairy milk. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I, I'm sorry. My girlfriend at the time sent me some Hershey bars from America. Because we used to do swaps. She was in Boston. I'd send her chocolates. And she'd go, oh, thank God for the British chocolates. She sent me Hershey bars. And she said, try it. And while we're on the phone. And I put it in my mouth. I went, oh, it's like someone's done a plop in my mouth. It's disgusting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. American chocolate is just awful. And even even worse because Cadbury's were sold to an American firm. I think they've kept the, the the original chocolate over here is fine, but the American version over there is just horrible, really disgusting. Oh, 
sorry americans you, you're good at burgers and stuff like that but chocolate stay away from it <laughs> right right that was that oh move little laptop out the way um move old faithful nearer right and that's me done hope you enjoyed that folks thank you for tuning in uh, i hope this episode sounds better than uh, it did before i'm going to listen to it now have yourself a good week stay safe be good lots of love to you all uh, oh happy birthday to the queen lots of love bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with quince go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365 day returns ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm velour xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist visit juvederm.com that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com not for people with severe allergic reactions allergies to lidocaine or the proteins used in juvederm common side effects include injection site redness swelling pain tenderness firmness lumps bumps bruising discoloration or itching there's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.